and, and play the music and let you look out the stained glass. So if we hadn't got signs and wonders, let's just join up with them and, and, and uh, if we're going to just half do the gospel. He, he said here uh, in the book, I don't know how to say that, B-O-E-R, the Boer. I'll say Boer War of South Africa. The Boers held a mountain peak that commanded the country all around and particularly the city of Ladysmith. It was known as Spoin Cop. Tugels River ran alongside. One day in the midst of a tremendous charge, the British succeeded in breaking through and crossing the river on pontoon bridges and taking possession of the mountain. That night, the Boers called a council of war, and it was decided that the repossession of Spoinkop was necessary to the successful progress of the war. Realizing that the retaking of Spoinkop would result in a tremendous slaughter, and the officers not wishing to take responsibility of ordering men to attack, they called for volunteers. The word was passed along, and those who wished to volunteer stepped out and took their place one by one. They were committing themselves to life and death. By the morning when the sun arose, the Boers were in possession of Spoinkop, but two out of three of both Boer and British were dead. Here it is right here. Men will do that for war's sake. Can you imagine something that just a mountaintop in a war that's from, if you're a British man, South Africa, a colony, giving your life, you know that you would you'd cut yourself off from your kids, your wife, your family, your future. It means something to commit yourself to the things of this world. It ought to mean just as much and a lot more to definitely commit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. The definite act of receiving and accepting and placing yourself in committal to the Lord should be very solemn and deliberate. Amen. And by the grace of God, I am trying to bring to your hearts this splendid truth. If you've been toying with the subject of healing and experimenting with God, end it and commit yourself in faith and love to Jesus Christ as your healer forever. Then you have placed yourself on the ground of blessing. You have placed yourself where the Lord meets you, or rather you meet the Lord. So um, I've just been reading things about healing. About uh, Last week we read about uh, how he said that, he, 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 uh, A.B. Simpson said, um, if you commit yourself once and for all and forever to Jesus as your healer, it is done forever. He said, uh, read last week, that until you are all in, you're none in. That there's no experimenting. There's no, let's try this. It doesn't work until you jump off the cliff. <laughs> until you're fully and completely committed, it doesn't work. And he said, so you've got to get yourself meditated uh, in the Word of God and get committed so that you can make the leap and just say, it doesn't matter what procedure, it doesn't matter what this, that, and the other, I'm, I'm going to trust the Lord and he was talking about how the Lord will always meet you when you have that fullness of heart. And uh, so I'm getting myself ready. I'm, I'm on a couple of pills that, you know, over the years, I've just, you know, they said, take this. It'll help you get this down or get this up or whatever. And so I did and because uh, I was real busy. I remember I was real busy, and I just said, you know, I hadn't got time. 
This is this is false. It's wrong. It's it's a lie. I just said I hadn't got time to fool with this right now. I am loaded. I am my wagon is and I'm going to just do this and I'll get off in the fall. Many, many falls later, I'm still taking that little yellow or white pill or whatever it is. And so I've just said I'm going to go out now. I'm not talking to you about it. I'm certainly not trying to get you to do anything medically. I'm just inspiring myself, stirring myself up. And if you want some of it, that's fine. But that's uh, that's where I'm personally going, just to get myself so that when <clears throat> so when and if any kind of prognosis comes by, I've at least uh, like junior college, I've at least got my English and my math and my geology and geography out of the way, and I can the basics, yes, and I can face this stuff. Because uh, one time I told you that the the doctor came in and I, I was experiencing uh, my heart was racing. And uh, and so I went in, and they said, well, that's no big deal. But what is a big deal is this other thing. We need to put you in surgery this evening. And I said, no. And Debbie looked at me, and she said, yes, because <laughs> we didn't want to lose me. You know, at that point, she didn't trust that I was there, and I probably was not. But uh, anyway, we want to whip, we want to have a confidence about cancer or dementia or everything that's out there it's formidable and there's a hundred things that could could you just have to have one of them to 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 uh, negate your life to neutralize your life so we might as well just stand up now while we're feeling good relatively speaking and just say i'm going to give myself to the word of god amen amen well hallelujah do y'all have your little yellow book? Y'all need any? Miss, Miss Caps, do you have your little book? Okay. Okay. Pam, would you go get her a book? Because we're going to read out of it this morning. And uh, we're on our last one today about uh, an atmosphere for miracles. Creating an atmosphere for miracles. So, praise God. Let's go to uh, Isaiah 55. We're just going to dive into the Word this morning. Thank you, Lord. Isaiah, Old Testament. Boy, you hate to start in the Old Testament, but here's something to build a contrast to. Hope you all had a good week. We're having Bo Barton Wednesday week. Wednesday week. So shake that garland cash out of... Well, he won't be in bed that week, will he? Yeah, we'll, we'll shake him loose and we'll... But anyway, I want everybody to be here. So we've been talking about creating a ma- atmosphere for miracles. And I wrote on the, va- on the board out there that River Church is an atmosphere for miracles. And we do that by stirring ourselves up about the supernatural. Now, here's something about the supernatural. <clears throat> Think about this. Miracles are only supernatural if you're in the natural. It's a whole kingdom dynamic or mindset or set of, uh, of life that is not common to the natural, so it becomes supernatural or above or beyond the natural. But if you were to live in that realm, it would be natural. If you were visiting Japan, you would go, this is foreign. But if you'd been raised there, if you were a native, you'd go, well, there's nothing foreign about this. This is normal. This is natural. You know, people that live at the beach full time, they don't even go to the beach. 
They don't even go to the beach. It's like, uh, yeah, when, when's the last time you went to the beach? Uh, last year sometime. We went down there for a little bit. I wanted some fish. You know, well, did you walk on the beach? No, no, no. See, it becomes natural. But, you know, it's like, well, I want to go to the beach, you know, and spend, count every grain and, and soak up every ray. And those people down there, it becomes common to them. Well, we ought to make the supernatural natural. And to do that, we have to live there. We have to become acclimated to it. So, um, and we have to be able to cooperate. Uh, the re people are always against what they don't understand. So how do you fix that? How do you fix people that are againers? When I was a Baptist boy, I was, I don't know if I was so much again it, but I was surrounded by againers. Againers about tongues, againers about healing, againers about Holy Ghost. They were just again it. You know, you just say, we're going to talk about this. We're again it. Because <laughs> you're always against what you don't understand. Well, after I got acclimated, after I got used to it, after I started pursuing it, just like you, well, then I wasn't again it anymore because I had understanding. Well, let's look here in chapter 55 of Isaiah because we, um, uh, we found that the first step to creating a miracle in your life is just obedience. Whatsoever, whatever he says to you, do it. You've you got to do it. You can't be an again it and say, I'm not doing that. Well, you might not get a miracle. The second thing we looked at was faith and desperation. You got to get in faith about it. You got to you got to not just necessarily be desperate, but you got to be desperate faith. Then we looked at uh, how miracles follow or invade or saturate anytime you're preaching Christ. Preaching about the Lord Jesus. When you're sharing about him, then for instance with this man that I was talking to yesterday, he's desperate for a job. That's why he's working for me. That's why he's Painting for me or whatever. We're painting a fence, trying to get my fence where, where it'll stay up. And, you know, I thought, why are you working this job? Well, because I don't have any other job. Well, I said, now that you're born again, we're in. So I'm like, I can't wait to hear his job, uh, about his job. So, and then today we want to learn to listen. We're going to talk about learning to listen to the Holy Spirit. Now, there's no doubt you, you cannot navigate very many miracles or you cannot sustain miracles unless you get direction. you got to have an inward beacon, a guide, a, uh, a, uh, a, a, uh, a set of, uh, of parameters that comes on your life so you know if you're on course. Now here Isaiah says, we've heard this many times, we've read this scripture in verse 8, I believe it's verse 8, verse 7, let the wicked forsake his way, so he's talking about the unsaved or the unrighteous and the unrighteous man, his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord. And he, the Lord, will have mercy upon him and to our God, he will abundantly pardon. So the context here of what he's about to say is he's been talking about the contrast between the wicked, the unrighteous, and the godly, the just. Then, so he says this. After that, he says, for... The contrast is, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Who's your thoughts? Your thoughts is talking about the wicked, the unjust, the unrighteous. My thoughts, he said, are not the same as your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. So there's no path, he said. There's no path for the wicked out of their thoughts and ways to reach God. 
And then in verse 9, for the heavens are higher than the earth. He said, just take this as an example. So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Far away. For as, um, yeah, verse 9. So he's talking to the wicked, the unrighteous here and saying, you don't have a chance of figuring out the kingdom. You cannot analyze. You cannot uh, uh, discern it. You cannot reason it out. It's not going to happen on your, your life. So that's the old man we were. That's what every one of us were, were thinking. Is, and, and that was my experience yesterday. Is, well, I'll get to God this way. I'll do a little better. Have you ever heard him say that? I'll do a little better. I have messed up, but I won't mess up in the future because I'm going to do better. And that's where I said, <laughs> no, you'll always mess up. You can't do, you can't get on God's uh, 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 page there. So that's the old man. Now let's look at the new man in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now this, so we can't say, you know, you've heard people quote this Isaiah thing that says, well, you know, the Bible says his thoughts are higher than I thoughts and his ways are higher. And so they just, they just paste that on there and say, well, there's no way we can know what God's knowing. God's ways are higher that's why he took my husband, my little baby. That's why I, you know, have cancer is because God's ways are higher. Well, yeah, if you're wicked, if you're unrighteous, if you're unjust, you are right. But that's the old man. That's before Jesus. Y'all say amen. That's before Jesus. So the Old Testament, what's between the Old Testament and the New Testament? Jesus on the cross, raised from the dead. You can't say the Old Testament applies to us. Jesus changed that all out. But now I will tell you, everything in the Old Testament does apply unless it was changed or modified or revised or upgraded in the New Testament. One thing that was changed was worship. They went to a mountain. They went to a temple. They went to, and that's where they, that's the only place you could worship God. But now we worship different in spirit and in truth. Right where we are, anywhere we are. One thing in the Old Testament was the dietary law. Don't eat bat. Don't, don't eat fish without scales. But then the New Testament, he said, everything can be sanctified with your faith. You can eat anything now. Wow. That's, so he, everything that's not the same is changed. The tithe was not changed. He didn't say, we're doing away with the tithe. That's the argument that falls when people say the tithe's not New Testament. He didn't change it. Amen? So, uh, we don't, uh, the, the blood sacrifice, goats and bulls and, you know, all that, they had to sacrifice them. Jesus became a sacrifice once and for all. That changed, and it's duly noted. So, everything that's different is noted. In chapter 2, it says, in verse 16, it says, um, for who hath known the mind of the Lord? We're talking about the new man now, the man you and I are, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Say it with me. But we have the mind of Christ. I have it in the, the New Living. It says, who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. I forgot to write you a card, Barry. Sorry about that. Hallelujah. And let me read it again. Who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who, can, who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things. What things? The Lord's thoughts, 
and, and, uh, and, and what he's teaching us, we can know what he's teaching us. We're teachable because we have the mind of Christ. Now, the mind, your mind is up here. It's generally located behind the eyes and between the ears. <laughs> That's the whole capacity of most people. But we have the mind of Christ, and he's down here. He's down here, and out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And you, you have been joined to the Lord. Like when you get married, you become one flesh with her or with him. But in the new birth, you become one spirit with Holy Spirit. And it's not him and me. We are joined together. That's why you can't get unborn again. It's why you can't say, well, you know, I got saved, but then I got to drinking and I got to carrying on. And so I got unsaved. Well, no, you're joined down, down here with him. You can't get unborn again. You can backslide. You can lose your reward. You can do all sorts of things. But unless you vehemently deny the Lord, the, uh, the, the, the deity of the Lord Jesus, you're going to be, you're going to land in heaven. People argue with it, this, that, and the other, but because of this truth right here, that we are, I forget where the scripture is, it's right here. Ah, there it is in chapter 6. Just go right there, 6.17, right here in 1 Corinthians. Here it is, it says, But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Isn't that what it says in the B-I-B-L-E? He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So you can't unjoin you can't descramble eggs. You can't, you can't put it back in the shell. And you can't put you and me, we can't be separated from the Lord once we are joined, once we are in Christed. So, uh, we have the mind of Christ. We're joined with Him. When you get married, you get, you get this joining. In the, it's, it's one flesh, but there's a lot going on there. So much so that uh, Paul talked in one places. He said, he who's joined with a harlot becomes one with the harlot. Oh, it's a big mess. Oh, adultery and fornication, they, they are big messes uh, in, the, in that realm. But uh, praise God. Okay, so here's the new man. Um, chapter uh, chapter 2. Let's, let's back up to uh, 1 Corinthians 2. Let's back up to verse uh, 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. Now that spirit is the spirit of reason. But the spirit which is of God. That is the spirit of faith. So we have not received the spirit of the world. But the spirit which is of God. Why? Why, Lord, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. What we're talking about here is learning to listen to the Holy Spirit. So we've been joined to him. So we have access to him. He's not over there. Well, we're going to go up to the mountain and see the guru, the, the wise man, and, and let him talk to us like they make in the cartoons and the, the Buddhists do. No, he's... He's in your heart and in your mouth. So we are joined to him. Which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Holy Ghost teacheth. We're talking about learning to listen to Holy Spirit. He's the teacher. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So there we have it. 
Holy Spirit wants to tell you what to do, where to do it, when to get there, when to leave. Real important that you don't stay too long in the last thing that he told you. You know, he could say, go to the store and get a gallon of milk. But that doesn't mean you watch him close and, and stay out front all night and watch him open the next morning. Go home. <laughs> well, we didn't figure that out, but a lot of people are doing the same thing. They're just doing the last thing they heard. They have no direction. So there's no supernatural in their life because they're just doing the same old thing. Well, everything's in a progression. It's He tells you this so that you can be doing that, so that you can be doing that. There's a progression to life. But a lot of people are not progressing. We are learning to listen to Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 14, if you would. Thank you, Lord. We are learning to listen to Holy Spirit, and we are creating an atmosphere for miracles. Tune in. Tune in. 8, 14, we know this scripture. <laughs> Hallelujah. I read this thing in about 12 translations. And I'm telling you, it didn't change one letter or one word from any translation. I tried to get it to say anything else. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, led by the Spirit. The word led there means guided, directed, induced, led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. Now, sons there would obviously mean mature sons. Sons of age, sons of, 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 uh, of uh, familiarity with the things of God. As many as are led. So the criteria of knowing you're a son, a daughter, same word, is to say, I am led by Holy Spirit. He's leading me. If you're not led, you don't know if you're born again. You don't know you're a son of God. Got to be led. You got to hear his voice. My sheep hear my voice, Jesus said. In the Amplified, look in verse 19, excuse me. Let's, let's look in verse 19. For the earnest expectation, so along the same vine, uh, line of uh, being led by the Spirit, for the earnest expectation of the creature, that's a mistranslation. It should be cre creation. For the earnest expectation, what is creation looking for? Waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, of the led ones of the men and women that are led by God. He's saying all of creation is tired of carnal, natural, this world, living, reasoning, thinking, fearfulness. They are looking for the supernatural, the led by God, men and women of God, the family of God. They're looking for the supernatural. They want you to produce a miracle. They may mock you, they may dis disparage you, they may, they may leave, but they are excited that the whole world is not, wait, is not uh, left to their kind of living. There's no hope in this kind of living. Let me tell you, Las Vegas proved it again. People are... St Fox News, when did that happen? What day did that happen? Last Saturday? No, it happened before Saturday, didn't it? It's been going on several days. Well, whenever it happened, y'all know it's been a while. Fox News hadn't got off of it for 30 seconds. I, every time I've tuned in, they're talking about Vegas. They're just, 
they're just consumed by this tragedy. And it is a tragedy. But it's a tragedy that, that uh, 58 million babies have been aborted since 1973, too. It's a tragedy that... It's a tragedy that we have cancer killing millions of people every year. That's a tragedy, too. We just don't like the gun thing. Well, they, they, are, they, they have no answers for this, except we're going to legislate it or this, that, and the other. But the Amplified says in verse 19, listen to this, For even the whole creation, all nature, all nature, the whole world, waits expectantly and longs earnestly, for God's sons to be made known, waits for the revealing and the disclosing of their sonship. So we're just marching in time. We're at a doctor's office waiting for the doctor to call us and say, you can come back now. And we're going, I'm waiting for the manifestation of the doctor to show up and let me in and get my diagnosis or whatever, complaint heard, so I can leave. Well, the world is waiting for us to show up. Well, we're here. No, we haven't been manifest as we are. We've been manifest as regular folks, sinners. We're just sinners saved by grace. And we put a cross at the front of this building, and we, we sing liturgical music, and we say thou and thee and doest and, and don't doest and, you know, and we pray prayers, O Lord, us, thou hearest us as we prayest. You know, regular folks, plumbers praying like that. Really? You must be in a church. You must be in a building that has church on it because no one talks that way, including God. He's down like angels. Get an angel in here. Get an interpreting angel in here. They're praying. <laughs> <laughs> tell me what they're saying. Tell me, tell me what's going on down there. <laughs> I can't understand the word they're saying. <laughs> so the world's waiting for you and me to show up. We think they are that they don't want us. But the Bible says they are doing nothing until we show up. They're not getting anything done. They're in fear. They're in they're in terror. Until we come and say, peace be still. Storm stop. We got to do it. We got to raise somebody from the dead. I asked Pastor West the other day, he came over and I said, would you volunteer? I think I can do this. <laughs> and then I'll, if I can do it, then I'll volunteer for you to do it. But it might be like that baby in, in Solomon's day, you know, where the, the, the mama took off the next day. Uh, so... <laughs> By the way, he did not volunteer. <laughs> he has no faith whatsoever. Hallelujah. Weak, weak, weak. Okay, turn with, with me. We're still talking about uh, learning to listen to the Holy Spirit. Turn to 1 John, if you would, please. 1 John. Praise you, Lord. We can hear Holy Spirit. You have to hear. Even in your truck or your car, you got to tune in. With the radio, you got to tune over there. You're going to get mama jumped off the train with the, you know, you're going to get some country thing. You're going to get some uh, hard rock metal thing or whatever. You're, you're not going to like it, what you're tuning into. You're not going to like what you're hearing if you don't tune over to Jesus. First John chapter 4, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 20. I hope you have a little star around this one. It's, it's one of those amazing verses. 
it says, but ye, and it's, so it's talking about people that are, that are filled with God in verse 18 and 19 that, that understand what, what's going on. He says, but ye have an unction. The same word is translated from the word anointing, a Holy Spirit presence inside of you. Ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye what? Know all things. How can we know all things? I don't know all things. That's because that's this part up here. This three and a half pounds between the ears. That's the part that doesn't know much. That's calculating. That's figuring. That's reasoning. That's that's uh, remembering. That's 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 uh, that's uh, using knowledge to deduce. He said the answer is already down here. Down in here, led by him, you'll know. It'll just rise up, and you'll know. I know the answer to that. I know. How do you know? I know. I'm, I have an unction from the Holy One, and I know everything there is that needs to be known to me. I know. Well, why don't you know? Why don't you live like you know? Because I don't always access it. I, I rely on this. I've been relying on this, the sense of smell and hearing and taste and touch and, and hearing and seeing and whatever else is out there. I've been doing that. Those are the five gates into the soul. I've been, I've been so relying on that. I forget sometimes to switch on Holy Spirit and say, is this other right? We ought to, we ought to double check. We ought to contest everything we think we're about to do and say, is this right? We might be a surprise. The only thing is sometimes we get lathered up with our will and say, but I want to. I want to marry him, and I want to buy that, and I want to go here, and, and I don't want to listen to Holy Spirit because he might say no. My dad was out of town. He had a control over me back then that I didn't really realize until looking back on it later. But Debbie had got a new car for graduation, a 72 Malibu. It was a, it was a plain car, especially if you see them now, you really think they're plain. But it was new. Hoo-hoo, and I had a... I had a Nova, and it had a three on the tree. It had a trans. It had a clutch and three on the tree. It was, it was the poor man's vehicle. The poor boy's way to get around. Anyway, I wrecked it. They they pulled out in front of me, but nobody remembers that part. That it wasn't my fault. They just knew that the son-in-law wrecked it, and my dad was out of town, and I knew he wouldn't let me. I told y'all this story late recently. So I talked Debbie into it, and I went and bought me a Mercury Cougar. It's pitiful. It, it had doors that were from there to here, two of them. You know, and you couldn't, it was terrible. But I wanted one so bad. And I got it, but I wasn't led by Holy Spirit. We had all sorts of, you know, you know have, you, have you ever bought those cars or bought those houses? And amen. Listen to Holy Spirit. So, here we have in the Bible, over and over, one, two, three, four, five. Five examples, and there's more, where Holy Spirit is leading us. He's teaching us, he's instructing us, he's guiding us, he's illuminating the path that we should go. It's not hard because that's our nature. That's who we are, that's what we do, that's, that's we've been reprogrammed by being in Christed. We're born again. And if you put on the Lord Jesus, get up every day and say, Lord, I'm going to do it your way today. Lead me. 
he has a greater opportunity than if you get up and say, I'm gone, out the door. And you don't see that car coming down through the, running the red light. And you don't see that, that uh, situation at 911, the towers. And so you just go to work on that Tuesday. Is that right? You just blow out because that's just what you always do. But a bunch of folks that day stayed home. Said, you know, I'm going to go get a haircut downtown or somewhere else today. Just have, you know, and they, they lived. They, they stayed out. They were led by God. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, there's another kind of person that does not want to be led by God. They're just babies. And the Bible says they are. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, my job, if I have a job, if I have a, a calling or a purpose as pastor, or, but it's no different than me, than for you, this is your calling too, is to, is to grow people up. And it doesn't mean that they're babies. It just means that there's a progression. It just means everybody starts out at the beginning. And if you want to get down the road, you're going to have to go down the road. He said there in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, says, I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. Could not. Could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even, he's going to describe it, even as unto babes in Christ. He said, I couldn't even talk to you. You couldn't get it. You couldn't understand it. I ran into that yesterday. Just the most basic things of the kingdom were just in, a, in another orbit, in another universe, another solar system to this young man. Just, and you realize how far you've come when you talk to someone that is totally in the dark. He said, I fed you with milk. That goes along with what he says, babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto, or up to now, ye were not able to bear it, and neither yet now are ye able. Well, that's a recipe to offend somebody right there and tell them, you are a baby. Well, I'm 50 years old and been in the church since I was baby. This place is just one big nursery. I'm talking about these churches that are filled with these people. They all, you know, I'm the president of the bank, and I got this much money, and I, you know, and I'm this, that, and the other. Baby. You know, we all know one man that's making $11 million now, and he is a absolutely the, at the top of his class and his profession and his, his calling or whatever. But, and I wouldn't judge the man, but wouldn't you probably agree with me? He is an absolute nursery candidate in the kingdom that we're talking about. We couldn't even get into the edge of what he knows concerning these natural things of coaching. But in the kingdom, he's a baby. We don't even know if he can take a pacifier. I mean, I don't know, and I'm not judging, but I'm just saying, using him as an example of a lot of people that you go, they're so great over here and so lauded and so praised over here, yet the least of us in the sense of the kingdom are just summa cum laude or whatever you call it, you know, in the things of the kingdom. Don't put yourself down because you don't have that when you've got this. Don't, don't ever say, oh, what a great man. Only in the world. 
Remember, it's just football. Remember, that's just entertainment. Remember, that is going to be the first thing to go when trouble comes. <laughs> Cruise ships and, and soccer and volleyball, and all that's going to be the first to go when times really become... We're not going to be doing that stuff when their survival is on the edge there. So, what's the standard? What is the spiritual standard? We are looking at learning to listen to Holy Spirit. It says in 1 Corinthians 14, you're right there, you might as well just go with me. In chapter 14, verse 26, here's one standard of the Spirit-filled life, the Spirit-led life. I am led by the Spirit. Say it with me. I am led by the Spirit. We're led by the Holy Spirit. More than you know. More than you know. You may not be getting great revelations that change the world, but if you can avoid trouble and know what not to go down 69 south at the wrong time, you are led by God. Amen. I mean, just that's just uh, that's big. But in chapter 14, verse 26, he says, here's a standard for the spirit-led life. How is it then, brethren? How is it? When you come together, everyone, how many? All of you has a psalm, has a doctrine, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Y'all, we're special. But that's, the point is, is it's in there every time we come together. In other words, the Lord says, uh, you know, just like at a business, uh, uh, somebody would say, you going to the bank? Yeah, I'm going to the bank for the company. He said, well, take, somebody would say, take this deposit since you're going anyway. The Lord says that about you and I. He'd say, you going to church? Yeah, I'm going to church. Well, take this with you. It's a revelation. It's a doctrine. It's a, it's a tongue. It's an interpretation. It's a psalm. Take this with you. So the church could be over, and you go, I didn't know I had anything. The Word says you did. You might not get to give it, but the Word says you got it. We're carrying things that we didn't even know, and the danger is that we could be babies and not even know, I got something. Call on me, Pastor. Leave a little spot, Holy Spirit, in the service, and I'll ring out because I got it. I got it from heaven, and I got it right now. And it's not me, it's him, and it'll, it'll fit, it'll work, it'll do. Isn't that good? Amen. Um, let me read you out of my little book, or the little book. It's over there in uh, page, you know, it's not numbered, so. It's under Learn to Listen to Holy Spirit. So it's, it's, uh, it's like three pages from the end. Over there where it says Wolfgang Simpson. On the bottom of the right side of the page, the bottom, the next to the last paragraph. On the left will be learn to listen to Holy Spirit. On the right will be Wolfgang Simpson. Now, this is an amazing story. I'm going to read it for the tape. Wolfgang Simpson is an intellectual German, but he recently found himself in a predicament that required him to lay down his intellect. Point to yourself and say, do that. All right. And trust God like a child. Okay, again, do that. He was scheduled to speak to a house full of church leaders in Cairo at 5.45 p.m. His contact put him in a cab at 5, showed the driver an address, put the paper back in his pocket, and said farewell. Half an hour later, the cab pulled up in the wrong place. And Wolfgang didn't even know what the right address was. Moreover, 
His Arabic was almost non-existent. Can y'all relate to that? He said a brief prayer for help, and God immediately answered. And what did he answer? The answer, prophesy to the driver. We're talking about learning to be led by Holy Spirit to create an atmosphere for the supernatural, for the miraculous. Holy Spirit said, he prayed. He said, Lord, help me. What am I going to do? Help me. He turned to God, and God answered. Wasn't that a surprise that God would answer your prayer? <laughs> he does every time. And said, prophesy to the driver. Lord, I I'm a Lutheran. That did seem pretty, pretty overwhelming right there. He stammered in his native German, and I don't even know which direction it is. Remember, he's going to turn off his intellect. Prophesy came the same distinct voice of God again. So with only 15 minutes left, Wolfgang obediently began barking orders at the driver. Alatul, straight ahead. Ishamal, to the left. El Yamin, to the right. Every corner and every alley was a decision. And he strained to feel the Holy Spirit's promptings as the cab bounced through Cairo's chaotic streets in the Egyptian heat. He even took it through shortcuts only a professional driver could have known. It was a high-speed proof test of Isaiah 30:21 that says, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. Exactly 15 minutes later, the cab came to a stop in front of the meeting house. The wide-eyed cabbie, keenly aware of the supernatural nature of the trip, Refused to take any fare. Now, I'm, this story, can, this, this can change your life right here. To never accept a, a lower place than what God's assigned us. To not just say, well, here's an obstacle. Looks like that didn't work. We missed that. Didn't get that. The devil won. I'm telling y'all. A personal inventory right now of I gave up too many times would be appropriate. Where we would say, I just thought that was it and quit. That's the rationale. That's the reasoning. When, when Debbie and I were, we were just like we are right now. Uh, well, no, no, we were, we were, we were in a going in a blowing church in Seminole, Texas. And he started talking about moving to us. And so we spent all year long saying, God, there's a scratchy thing inside. And finally, I just said, no, no, in the spring. I said, no, we're just going to, this is just the devil. And we're going to just do everything we can to make this church fulfill its calling. But it kept coming up, that scratchy thing inside. You know the Lord will start way before you need him to, to tell you what you got to have on time. And so we, uh, we finally went to a, in our church, uh, Living Water Faith Fellowship, we said, we said in the fall we're going to have a week-long meetings of prayer. And we met in houses one night every week, and uh, that whole week, and we would just pray out the plan, pray out the plan, pray out the plan. And then the last night we were going to meet at the church, I believe it was on a Friday or a Saturday, Saturday probably. 
And Debbie told the Lord, said, uh, Lord, we're tired of fooling with this, this we're moving thing. We want to settle it tonight. That's what she told God. She told me, I told God, we're going to settle it this week in prayer. That's what she said this week. So every night we went, nothing, nothing, nothing. On the last night, the Lord spoke to her and said this. He said, uh, Acts 13, 2. Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. Well, now we're not Barnabas and Saul, but we, we filled in the extra blanks. And we knew God had, was saying, finally, in clear Michael and Debbie language, I'm moving you. So the next question we ask is, where? And we didn't know. And so we went to Tulsa. I'm talking about being led by the Spirit. This is just my little story about something that was so supernatural. And this little book brings out really neat stories. But ours was pretty, pretty wild-eyed as, in the context of when it was in 1995 and uh, now. And so uh, we went to Tulsa. Had a, they, we'd been invited to an Acts 13 meeting which wasn't that funny. That's where that scripture came from. Mark Brzee had a meeting, ministers only, invitation only, and we got to go. And so we sat down uh, two rows from the back because we'd never been there, and we, we didn't sit on the front row and, uh, and began to listen. But let me back up and tell you about this year that he spoke to us. And I'm telling you this so that you can factor in for yourselves. In May of 95, this is before the fall where he told us, he, he, this is that scratchy thing. He said, you're entering the second phase of your ministry. Well, we were going to church every week and nothing was happening. Nothing different was happening. In May 22nd, he said, you came in last in the charismatic movement. Now the last will be first. It's a new thing I will do with you. It's a mighty work I have for you to do. Put aside childish things. Amen. So, um, um, I've got my dates mixed up here. Anyway, we sat down on this third row from the back, and J Vicki Jameson Peterson, does anybody remember her a little bit? She was a yeah, buddy good girl. She, uh, she worked for Brother Hagen, and uh, she, she was a mover and a shaker. She sat down behind us, and I recognized her. I said, Debbie, that's Vicki Jameson Peterson. Sure is. And she had two ladies sitting next to her. So we're sitting there praying out the plan. Everybody's just like we do on Wednesday night, just praying out the plan. No, 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 no. And Vicki was praying loud, and she's right behind us. And so we we started listening. Forget what we're praying. Listen to what God's saying behind us. He's talking to us. Now pay attention. He's talking to us. Did y'all know God's talking to you even this morning? And here's some things she said. She said, sailing, sailing, smooth sailing from here on out in the Holy Ghost. We're writing it down. Well, Debbie's writing it down. Stay full, stay full, stay full. The fuller the sails, the smoother the sailing. The day, the day, the doorman, the doorman, bondage, bondage, the end. The city, the city. Now, we didn't relate to city. We were in a, I didn't consider the city. Lay it down, lay it down, talking about our church. Labor, labor, no keeping release. 
Now, this doesn't sound like it means much, but I promise you at the time, it exactly fit where we were. I don't even remember exactly, but all these things fit hand in glove to where we were. Y'all ever had that happen to you where it's like God's talking to you and it just fits? And so in July of 95, uh, he gave us a scripture. Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men to spy secretly saying, go spy, view out the land. So we, we borrowed Myron and Leanne's Suburban. It was newer than ours. And we loaded up in July and came to Alabama. Because we said, Lord, where do you want us to go? And he said, Alabama. And we said, where's that? I remember saying, where's that? Where's Alabama? <laughs> I mean, we had an unction that was Alabama. And only, we only knew Patrick Norris, who lived, who, who was a traveling guy. And he had a church in Post, Texas. And, uh, and then he moved, he started traveling, and he, uh, he settled with Pastor Webb in Birmingham. i got to get this shorter. Um, and so we came out here. And so when we were driving home, I said, uh, what'd you think? She said, too hot and too many trees. <laughs> we were used to seeing the sunset every night. I mean, on the horizon, like, you know, anyway. It was funny, too hot and too many trees. And we just said, okay, well, we discount that. That's not it. But then he started talking to us again. And then he said, uh, he said, uh, he brought them that scripture in Psalm 105. He brought them forth with silver and gold. and There was none feeble among their tribes. So he started talking to us about provision because we were living pretty much hand to mouth. And then in September, he said, save, he told Debbie, say farewell to your ladies of faith. She had a ladies group. In October, he said, be bold and be strong, banish fear and doubt, for the promise of your God is to bless your coming in and bless your going out. And then in November, that's when it was, he said, separate me unto Barnabas and Saul. So that's when we had all these words that were saying, you're going, something's happening, there's, there's change coming. Then in November, that's when it was, we were with Vicki Jamison and He's, uh, I know, excuse me, we're in that prayer meeting at the church. Now separate unto me, Barnabas and Saul. In, uh, uh, we went to a Holy Ghost rally in January in Tulsa. We were just trying to be in some meetings where God was. Now, see, that's a really important key. If God's speaking to you or you want him to speak to you, you've got to get in an atmosphere that's already been charged, even if it's by somebody else that's charged with expectation. So we're in this big meeting, and Colin is an usher for Mark Brzee because he's going to Raymond at that time, and he is not happy we're there. And uh, he's, people are falling under the power, and I totally embarrass him by going out there and helping people pick up, which I was not trained to do according to their deal, and he was so upset with me. But... Uh, uh, but we heard in those meetings the most terrible thing. He said, I, will, I want you to move to Birmingham and have a traveling ministry out of Birmingham. Just stab me in the heart. Traveling ministry? I do not like to meet people. I do not know strangers. I know nobody except in West Texas. I know nobody to travel to. I'm going to make my whole living, my whole ministry out of traveling. Really, God, it was the most formidable thing I've ever heard in my life. I was not happy. And, but he said, I want you, God will provide someone to help with Eric, be in the Holy Ghost meetings with Brother Hagen. That would be in Birmingham in February. And then doors will begin to open, 
God will order your steps and prepare and and prepare this and prepare your way. And so then he uh, he told us exactly. We came back from that uh, Brother Hagen meeting and he told us exactly what to do. And this I said all that to say this. He told us tell on January 24th. He said, tell your mother we're leaving. Nobody knew. You know, this was just our secret. Tell your mother you're leaving. And then, then, tell, and then tell my mother you're leaving. And then, I don't have it written down. Um, you, you remember Debbie talking about her grandmother. Tell granny last, because there's telephone, telegraph, and there's telegranny. And she would, it would be over. It'd be in the whole world once Granny Hicksy knew about it. So we told her last. And um, we told our favorite family, our, the friends that lived behind us that were in our church, we told them, and they cried and cried and cried. It was nice. It was so fun to have somebody cry that we were leaving. Hallelujah. And then he told us when to tell our board. He told me to tell Myron, never confess you don't have a salary. And then on January 26th, the anointing will be greatly increased as soon as you tell the church your plans. My point is, we loaded up with $3,000 of money. That's all the money we had. We rented a U-Haul for $1,200. We rented a, uh, a, a residence in room in Birmingham for uh, $1,100. We had a $560 car payment every month, and we had no income. We had no ministry, and we had no job. And we were in Birmingham, Alabama. 965 miles away from anybody we knew who were all mad at us for leaving because we didn't leave conventionally. We didn't say, oh, mother, you know, the, the Lord's this and the thing. We just rolled into town and said, we're gone. I mean, they had no clue that we were leaving. It was brutal, but they would have talked us out of it. And we, the Lord said, you got to get out of here. And so it's been an adventure ever since. God wants to give you an adventure. He's going to lead you by Holy Spirit, and He's going to give you some miracles to work with to get you there. We talked about last week about how the Chinese, they don't look for miracles. They look to evangelize, and then when they evangelize, whatever the miracle that's needed will just come up. You don't go out to do miracles and then evangelize. You go out and evangelize, and they say, well, why would I need this Jesus? Well, I see that you're limping there. Can I pray for you? Boom, you're healed. I'll take Jesus. And that's who we are. We are not special. We are just wanting to be New Testament. We're not trying to milk something out of this thing that's not in the Bible. We're just trying to get normal. This is normal. This out here is not normal. And we've climatized, culturized the church, and we've got to get back to the standard. So... That's what we've been doing for 21 years is just trying to get our lives back to the standard. Now, I have, I'll say this before I quit, because I, I say it all the time. I believe that Holy Spirit will lead you through prophecy out of time. He will prophesy to you things, and you'll go, where does that fit? What does that plug into? And it might not be anything, but you write it down. You've got to write it down, and you've got to put it in a treasured place. Then when the, when the pivot comes, when the, when the fork in the road comes, you go back to the prophecy and see what God said. He always hides the key to the fork 
in a time that's out of time. Because if he gives you the word now, like if you're in a big fork right now, and somebody comes up that knows about your situation, possibly, and says, thus saith the Lord, go left. You're going to always wonder, was that in that man's head? Hey, is that his opinion? You all know what I'm talking about? It's suspect. It's not valid. It's not powerful. But if that word has got 12 months of beard on it, it's, it's full grown. It's like it's in the book. And it didn't apply to anything in that hour, but it so fits this hour. You'll say God said. He is so smart. I've used it for a bunch of stuff where I didn't know which way to go. We'd go look at the words of the Lord, and there it would be. It would be the hidden key, and it would, it would unlock the door. Do you want to be led by the Spirit? I do. I'm desperate. Sometimes I don't act like it. Sometimes, you know, you hate to say carnal, and I'm not saying carnal, but I'm saying relatively carnal in that we just say, I got it figured out. This seems like what will happen, and it's not. And you got to go ask God. And you have to say, I know nothing apart from Holy Spirit. I choose to not, I'm not leaning on anything except what you want. What you want is what I want. What you don't like... I already don't want it either. You have to do that to be truly led. You can't have an opinion. Well, Lord, I'd, I'd, I'd be led, but, you know. But you have to go like Jesus, not my cup. Not my will, but your will be done. So I'm going to pray for you this morning. I hope I didn't wander around a rabbit trail with that, all that stuff. Um, but it's, it's just, it's so detailed. I, could, I left out a gazillion things where God just told us exactly what to do. He said, on Tuesday, tell your mother. On Wednesday, tell your father. Uh, then on Thursday, tell the Billings. And then on Friday, tell Hixie. It's like, and then we look back later and go, if we'd have done it any different, it would have blowed up. It would have, because our family was pretty hostile about us leaving. They took us totally for granted. You all know how family do it. They, they, didn't, they didn't come see the kids play ball. They didn't, they didn't come over and see us. They just, they just like we could if we wanted to. Y'all are just 18 miles away, but we don't want to. Well, they howled like stuck monkeys, if you can say that, when we said we're leaving because all of a sudden they didn't have the option. It's not that they were just like, ah, oh, I'm so used to seeing you every two days. No, it was every two months if we called. I'm not bitter. I'm just saying, isn't it funny? you got to be led. So, Father, we ask you right now at River Church that we would never again make a decision or take a course contrary, against, and not in agreement with heaven's design and desire. Lord, we are bought with a price. We are not our own. And you have such marvelous and detailed plans for us, each and every one of us. And when we follow your way, Lord, we have known and it's experienced. It's marvelous how you work things out and make it so wonderful. So forgive us, Lord, for ever being not led by the Spirit, going our own way. I've, I've done it several times, Lord, and it's always just been so costly compared to what you had. 
And I repent, Lord, and I, I guess we all repent, Lord, of just missing it through pride and, and just a self-confidence that we didn't need Holy Spirit, but we do. So we're asking you for an atmosphere of miracles at River Church. That, Lord, every time we come in this room, there's an atmosphere of expectancy of what is God going to do today and who's going to be delivered or healed or set free or what thing are you going to put on our hearts to pray out that is so awesome and so world-changing that you would use this little body to absolutely turn the world upside down. Lord, we want that. I, I see us possessing that. So, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name we'd come together in one mind, in one accord. No schisms, no divisions among us, but we speak the same thing. We want to be led by God, and we want an atmosphere for miracles. Jesus is Lord. And Lord, convict us by Holy Spirit of where we're going the wrong way if there is one, and we will change in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We'll read the little book again. You say, well, I've already read it. No, read it again. I've read it, I guess I've read it 16 times. It just inspires me to know that this is just, this is just in the books. There's so much more than this, and this is just, uh, this is amazing. It's just, uh, it's just a, a baseline, I guess I could say. Anybody got anything? Yes, ma'am. Let's do an offering. All right. Oh, where's Justin?